0: Hi guys, welcome back to Hustlers Daily. This is your host Ashna and I present you with the interesting stories of entrepreneurs of India every week on this podcast. Hustlers Daily is extremely thrilled to host Anand Jain today, who is the co-founder and chief strategy officer of Clevertap. In order to have an interesting conversation with Anand, we have invited a special host, Mr. Akash Mehta. Akash is an investment manager at Capital 18, the investment arm of Network 18 Group. He is a graduate from IIT Bombay and Bangalore. So please welcome Akash Mehta in talks with Anand Jain. Hey guys, uh, welcome back to Hustlers Daily. This is your guest host, Akash. Uh, We present to you stories of new age entrepreneurs of India every week on this podcast. Today, I want to start off with a very basic crime we all are guilty of. Uh, Humans have practically transformed into cyborgs with the advent of smartphones. And uh, there is a very interesting data point that I came across that, you know, probably by 2020, 90% of Indians will be having a smartphone or a mobile phone in some or the other form. Uh, you know, this advent of internet and mobile technologies have practically changed the landscape and the dynamics of businesses in India. Of course, on one end, there is a plethora of information available for businesses to target the consumers on one hand. Uh, on the other hand, customers have now have a much more variety of options to choose from and specifically for B2C brands It's becoming a very large problem statement to retain these customers. Now, this with this premise, uh, we would like to introduce, and we are very delighted to introduce this startup to you, uh, which really needs no introduction. Uh, We are going to host Mr. Anand Jain from CleverTap. Just to give a broad summary about CleverTap, uh, CleverTap is precisely trying to solve this problem of retention for growth teams. Uh, Their whole premise is of uh, providing a SaaS platform by leveraging a lot of user data that they collect that the companies collect uh, from their multiple uh, offline and online uh, channels use advanced statistical techniques use automation ai ml and personalization techniques and provide that in a one enterprise holistic platform to businesses in terms of clientele they have all the marquee clientels that uh, you know come to your name with the likes of ClearTab, Burkma show vodafone carousel Sony, Hotsar, and the list really goes on and on and on. Not just on the customer side, but they also have raised close to more than about 40 million in funding till date from marquee investors such as Sequoia Capital, Axel, uh, Tiger Global, and Anand himself uh, is not really new to the entrepreneurial ecosystem. He has earlier uh, successfully grown Burp, which was an online Indian platform uh, for food discovery. Which eventually got sold off to the Network eating Group. He also served at senior positions in engineering. He was actually heading the engineering team at uh, the Network eating Group, and currently he is the Chief Strategy Officer of CleverTap. So, with that introduction, I would like to introduce uh, Mr. Anand Jain. Hi, Anand. Great to uh, host you.
1: Yeah. Hi, Akash. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Uh, it's a delight to be here.
0: So, uh, you know, Anand. I mean, typically. Uh, for the for listeners, you know, who have a very, very little understanding, I would say, of how technology works. Uh, so no, really keeping it very simple, what would you say, you know, how would you describe CleverTap as a business or as a SaaS platform?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so uh, the highest form of technology is the human brain. And when you meet a friend that you've not seen uh, since a long time, you know, you naturally start off with a certain level of conversation as opposed to a person that you're meeting every day. So if you go to office every day and you, if you're talking to a colleague, the conversation context is much different than a person that you've not met, like, you know, in, uh, let's say, three or four years, right? Right. Uh, right? So that's like human brain, like, you know, we automatically know what we need to do, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Now, if you compare that with the, the online world, uh, the no matter like you know how often does a website see you no matter how often do you uh, use a, a particular app uh, they still treat you as a newbie they don't know anything about you so with so we started clever with a couple of goals uh, one was the to understand users better right to give these set of tools to growth teams or marketing teams uh, to understand their users much much better right figure out what stage of the life cycle they are in whether they are a new mm. user or whether they are a loyal user uh, or they are uh, you know a high value transacting customer or or whatever right uh, or if it's mm. a movie app for example a streaming app you would know that this person likes to watch action movies more than the comedy movies and so on and so forth right mm. uh, uh, be able to kind of understand their behavior and to talk meaningfully back to that user on the basis of who they are where they what they've done where they're from and things like that uh, mm. So, so that's what we do uh, in the in the CleverTap platform, and uh, to you know, I mean, if I were to use one line, I would say we help you understand, engage, and retain your users better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what, what that's what the platform does.
0: Okay, great. So uh, now, you know, really sort of taking you back. Uh, now, for you, I believe uh, you've already been part of multiple entrepreneurial ventures, Burb Wing. You know, one of the ones which really sort of gotten into a lot of highlight. So. Burp, I would say, was a, a lot more focused on the B2C side of, uh, uh, you know, in the, the scheme of things. So how, how is the experience different from, from you? And how did you actually come across this problem statement uh, since you sort of, you know, uh, moved on from Burp and then network 18?
1: I've been a technologist uh, for more than two decades and mm. so has been my other founder, Sunil. Um, and Suresh has, I think, a decade plus uh, years of experience, right?
2: Hmm.
1: The three of us uh, as founders of Clevertab, but even before Clevertab, we were technologists, you know, we have played uh, VP of engineering hmm. or, or CTO hats multiple times. Hmm. And every time, you know, in any company that we were, uh, you know, we would come across this request from marketing team to, uh, you know, give out a list of users who have done a certain action or finding right. everyone that has you know stopped transacting you know with us uh, in the last 90 days and so on and so forth right mm-hmm. um, and they would come to us and uh, you know we as engineers uh, did not uh, uh we were you know we didn't share too much love with the marketing team because there would be an interruption <laughs> to what we were doing right uh, they would come in and they say oh we forgot to tell you you know there's also this one other thing you need to do and you know these things would keep going back and forth between okay. engineering and marketing or engineering and product mm-hmm. uh So after, uh, you know, uh, Network 18 or around that time, like, you know, when we were with Network 18, the three of us met at Network 18, but around Mm. that time, we started toying with this idea like, you know, wouldn't it be cool if, uh, you know, if the marketing team would be given an interface where they could, you know, run these things themselves, right? They could kind of Mm. uh, understand user behavior much, much simpler in a much simpler way, right? Uh, So understanding complex behavior, I mean, humans, we are humans, right? we are super complex creatures. But to take that complex behavior and to give this uh, insights uh, to a marketer, wouldn't that be awesome? And in the end to make it actionable. Mm. Uh, So that was the broad idea. The core thesis of Clevertap was two things. One, that the amount of data the phones or the desktops will generate will increase exponentially. And two, Mm. as more and more use cases are being solved, right? So if you go back in time, like in the last five to ten years, uh, cab hailing has become online, dating absolutely. has become online, you now watch movies online, right? So all of these things have, earlier they were offline, right? And then they, these, these things are now come onto the phone. Uh, mm, so you absolutely. Do more, yeah, so you do more and more things on the phone, number one. Two, amount of data being generated is more and more. And number three, uh, your attention span is now limited, right? I mean, one day you're on WhatsApp, I mean, one second you're on WhatsApp, like in talking to a friend. And the next you are replying to someone on Twitter, like, Twitter because they need to be corrected. Uh, the third, you are wishing someone happy birthday on Facebook. And then, you know, you're in the real world. Also, you get interrupted, uh, you know, and, and so on and so forth, right? So the attention yeah. span of a person has decreased uh, significantly, uh, right? Now, yeah. think of it from the other perspective. That means if you are running a business, if you have an app, for example, that streams video, uh, you better understand what the person is trying to do in those 10, 15 seconds that the person has. And if you are able to service them, uh, great. If not, you might lose them to competition, right? They might go away or they might not watch the movie that they were thinking of watching because they got interrupted um, mm-hmm. and so, so forth, right? So with this, you know, with this uh, uh, core thesis, we uh, started Clevertap um, mm-hmm. and in the end, like, you know, I mean, I am sure like, know, I was the founder of Burp, we were very really successful. But in the end, it was not about like, you know, whether we are doing B2C or B2B. In the end, it was like, you no, know, let's make a beautiful product a very right. functional product that teams can use and derive insights from. Um, even the goal in Burp was to build uh, uh, a great product that uh, end users can use. It's not we were not the first ones uh, back in the days also to launch a product that you know you could look up restaurants or or uh, pubs or bars, you know, or lounges. Uh, we were probably the last entrant, right? I mean, late entrant. Uh, but I we did we offered a ten x experience, and even with CleverTap, like you know, we were not the first to market. Uh, yeah. We, very late entrant, like you know, 2013, uh, and there were players that were before us. Uh, yes. And 2013 is when we started the company, not necessarily when we offered the product, but we started offering the product way back in 2015, right? Mm. Uh, but again, the goal was we are product builders at heart, uh, the mm. three founders, and mm. it was to build a beautiful, beautiful product that uh, anyone, a very simple, dead interface that people can use uh, and uh, you know benefit from.
0: So, I mean, you know. Correctly, as you pointed out that you were not really Clever Tap was not really the first entrant into this and right from, you know, I, I would say if you were to look at marketing from a lifecycle management point of view uh, with likes of, uh, you know, capillary to more engages and, you know, infinite. There are, there are a lot of early stage companies right now also trying to probably take some share of that problem, broader problem statement and trying to solve it, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Where, I mean, what? Really sort of differentiated you, and I'm sure, as you said Daniel, it's been now a great six year journey for you uh, what was that sort of an aha moment for you where you realized that you know this is this is what really clicks with the customers, and this is how we'll be able to sort of scale this uh, very quickly
1: yeah, so I you know this is called uh, the angle of attack or mm-hmm. your unique perspective right to use a slightly mm-hmm. uh, more friendly word right
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and every company that you mentioned, including like mm-hmm. several of us, we operate in a very crowded field. Uh, there yes. are several people that uh, uh, try to, uh, you know, get the same wallet share,
0: mm-hmm. uh, et
1: cetera. Uh, but what, what was unique that we saw about this was that, uh, so t- I mean, to understand what, what makes us unique, et cetera, like, you know, what makes us click, you have to go again back, you have to step back and say that product and marketing were typically separate functions, Right. There were product builders, you know, in in companies, right? And when I was in networking, there was the product team uh, Mm -hmm. and uh, engineering was, you know, a resource to product and product would describe what to build. Engineering Mm -hmm. would build it. And then there is marketing, right? And marketing would do different things like, you know, they might put up banners, they might do whatever else, right? Uh, To attract people to use those products, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, look at, uh, you know, we have got money control. It's a uh, mm. stock, you know, you can check out stock news, you can check out breaking news alerts, you know, you can create a portfolio, et cetera, and come, come, like, you know, come and, uh, you know, create a portfolio, right? Yeah. Uh, what's, what has happened in the last uh, few years is marketing and product are have have to come together, right? Mm. Uh, in the past, they would operate in silos. What mm. Tap does is we bring this to, these two departments together, and we're right. saying that as a user, as an end user, like, you know, Anand, for example, uh, mm-hmm. is, a, is a user of your product. Now, the marketing may have put up a banner to download the app. Product may have worked on the onboarding flow. Marketing mm-hmm. may have sent me, you know, coupons and discu- you know, discount offers to get me started with the product, 30-day free trial or what mm-hmm. you may, right? And so what the, the product and marketing functions, they interleave, right? And they touch the same user. In yeah. the end it's about the experience that you're offering your user
2: mm.
1: and you can't offer a delightful experience to your user if you're operating in two different silos if you you know if you have your own if you have separate set sort of kPIs if you have a separate data set you know mm. market product will have their own data set like, you know, favorite set of products that they will use marketing will have different set of products you know whether it's analytics or you know email campaign creator etc that they might use and they their working oblivious to each other, right? right? They pretend that the other person does not. But in the end, it's about the user. Like, you know, because, uh, and, and, and we've, you know, again, we've seen, we know this also for a fact, that if marketing sends us too many messages, I might end up uninstalling the product, your app, or I might uh, unsubscribe from your newsletters, etc., right? Mm-hmm. And product for their life would not be able to figure out why did this person who, who took like, you know, um, 10 minutes to, you know, download the app and onboard, and try out one of their things, why did the person uninstall the app, right? Hmm. They, hmm. Since they operate in a silo, like you know, they have no idea what marketing is you know, doing from the other side. Maybe marketing uh, sent too many campaigns out, right? Hmm. To a very happy user and they should, you should not touch a user that's very happy, like, you know, just leave the person alone, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's what, that was our unique perspective, you know, that these functions are coming together and they are now called, you know, growth functions, et cetera. But that's hmm. what we saw. And we set out to build a product that that unifies uh, inside uh, and deep segmentation and marketing communication or messaging into one platform. Mm-hmm. So multiple teams log into the same climate app dashboard and they view the data from their unique perspective. But the source okay. of data is the same. Okay.
0: Okay. So basically, it's also about like bringing a lot of individual teams who are based in silos together on one platform and sort of... Helping them view the work on the same data
1: sets, right? Yes, because they're touching the same user, right? Hmm. And yeah, no matter yeah. what the person is in his or her life cycle, you as marketing or you as product need to know that.
0: Hmm. right? Absolutely. So, I mean, you know, your thoughts because you've, you've been a seasoned technologist and you've seen a large corporate setups and now you're already sort of on your way to build a large company. Uh, what's your take on, you know, uh, let's say, we do have a lot of listeners who would be very keen to know a bit about product management. And even though it's a very nascent field, a lot of people I've come across, they say that, you know, there is no structured way. How do one, how does one get into, or how does one, you know, make an entry into product management? If let's say there are, there is no tech background or something like that. Right. So what's your take on this? Uh, Where do you see in terms of uh, how product management is treated in terms of, let's say, uh, upcoming startups you have even worked with large corporates, let's say Network 18 or something something like that. And how would you advise, let's say, a newbie who wants to look at
1: product management? Yeah, so product management actually is, I would call it something very simpler. I would call it product creation, right? Mm-hmm. And whether you like it or not, you need to know how a product is built to be able <clears> to define what a product does, right? A product is the mm-hmm. way a person experiences your product, right? Like, I mean, your, your product... Uh, you know and if it's an online product you know I mean it, it touches or spans multiple departments right user experience user delight uh, mm-hmm. what does the fun- product functionally do what form factor does it have and things like that right
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, as a product builder or as someone who's doing product management you need to understand these several uh, functionalities or specialties right number one number two if you have been an engineer in the past it greatly <clears> helps for you to appreciate what is possible, what is in the realm of possibility, what is not in the realm of possibility, right?
2: Hmm. Hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, product builders, you know, I mean, product managers rather, uh, who probably have left engineering a long time ago or who were not very attached to being an engineer, they wanted to kind of move up the career ladder, uh, don't quite understand, uh, Hmm. you know, uh, all the things, right, that that are related to engineering. Um, Hmm. For example, you know, if you want to build a car, if you want to design the spec of a car, you better understand how each, Thing of mm. the car works and how does it all fit together. Only mm. then can you create a spec for the next version of the car. Absolutely. Uh, similarly for, yeah, mm. similarly for product management, right? So you need to have, I would say, uh, solid and deep experience of engineering, right? Mm. Uh, you should have an experience of design, now not necessarily designing things, but would have, should have worked previously with the design team to bring, you know, spec to life, right? would have worked with quality teams in the past to make sure that, you know, whatever you're building, et cetera, gets past the quality bar and it offers a good experience to the, to the end user. And that's when you can kind of call yourself a, a product uh, manager. And if hmm. you don't have an engineering background or if you've not written code, etc., if you kind of, you know, come uh, from an orthogonal field, I would say hmm. join some company which has a very good or strong product culture. So join them as a junior. Right, and don't be in a rush to you know reach. I mean, to go to the next level, right? Like, right, just take your right. time, spend as much time as you know, a, a junior or an associate product manager before you become the mm. the, the product manager there at that company.
0: Absolutely, yeah, I think I think uh, it makes sense what you're saying. I mean, as simply as that, uh, you need to know the natuities, the nuts and bolts are, uh, the devil is in the details, I mean, that's <laughs> put simply. Yes. So, uh, whether we like
1: it or not, these days, mm. any product is fairly complex, right? Whether, I mean, mm. you know, something as simple as, say, a WhatsApp or, or mm. even an alarm clock these days, like, you know, does three, four things, right? alarm clock also acts as a, doubles down as an MP3 player mm. and, uh, you know can also connect to your iPod and you know also place the radio stations and all that, right? So multi-purpose products and if you're designing a tech product or an or an app, etc. The roots go fairly deep. So mm. that that understanding is very, very important. Mm.
0: Uh, you know now Anand going back to uh and, and this would, you know, a lot of uh, entrepreneurs, budding entrepreneurs who want to build a successful SaaS businesses would love to sort of get your perspective on this. Uh, you know, I have come across or met entrepreneurs who start off uh, as a services business. You know, they try to build products uh, on a retainer ship uh, by taking small, small contracts. And then they want to sort of have enough retained earnings to sort of then invest into uh, building products, right? Uh, Did you Mm -hmm. have a similar journey or uh, you directly started off by having this vision that, you know, you you know this problem and now you want to directly invest into, uh, uh, you know, building a product?
1: Yeah, well, we were, uh, uh, you know, when we started, we we wanted to build the product. We didn't want to, uh, I mean, that services idea did cross our mind. But uh, I'm so thankful that we did not pursue that idea. Uh, Mm. See, once you're a services company, you are a services company for life, right? Because you have an (laughs) existing set of customers that you have to satisfy. You have to make sure they're happy. Uh, There are pressures of growing the business, you know. So if you Mm. start off with one customer, you now want the second and the third and so on and so forth, right? It's Mm. very hard. And I've, you know, uh, in the course of my career, I've run into services companies that want to become product companies, but Mm. that that shift in mindset is an impossible one, it's very very hard, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And and this is why, because a product, when you build a product, you're not really doing it for a customer. When your you know, you might have people that are servicing a particular client, or you might have a person deployed at their location, or Mm -hmm. you might be building a product for them, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Or a customization for a particular customer, but when you're building a product, yeah you know that 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 same product should work for a very wide variety of customers uh, not mm-hmm. just for a certain set of customers right mm-hmm. um, and that's why that mindset shift is is nearly impossible to make uh, because suddenly you can't go from like you know okay i'll keep a few set of people customers happy all the way to like you know i'll use i'll keep everyone happy that uses right. my product without succumbing to the fact that i will you know they might have special requirements and they will call me and they'll say hey uh uh, why don't you add, you know, these things to the product and I should resist the temptation to do that. If I mm. do that, I become a services company, right? <laughs> yep. uh, so it's very hard. We were lucky, as I said, uh, we, we built the product first. Uh, we took the first uh, couple years, three years of our company. Uh, right after, like, you know, the company was started, we took the three years to build this product out fully uh, mm. before even we started showing it around publicly. We were very secretly showing the product, you know, first year we built a little bit and we would show it around to a few very trusted set of people uh, Mm. that we could take their advice, not on the product, but if, if I was to give, if I were to give you something like this, like, you know, would you use it in your business, right? Would you, Mm. uh, and thankfully we had a few uh, folks who said, well, hell yeah, like, you know, this sounds like a great idea. I would Mm. use it. And we gave them a, the, I would not even call the beta version, but an alpha version of the product like very early uh, as they were using it, we were building it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and thankfully, like, you know, we got, again, we didn't take product feedback too much from them. We mm-hmm. took problem statements from them and there's a difference between product feedback and problem statements, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, product feedback is, is like, you know, well, your product is slow or why don't you add this feature, that feature. Right. But when you mm-hmm. take a problem statement and, you t- you're taking a, you know, a business problem statement, right? Uh, right? And that example of that could be, hey, you know what, not everyone opens my newsletter, like, you know, what could it, the reason be, right? Can you solve right. that? Thing? And then you go mm. back and, you know, you think through everything, through first principles, and say maybe not everyone cares about a movie every week, right? Maybe there are people who either only see, uh, let's say, one movie every three months, and there are people who only watch, you know, certain actor movies and so on and so forth, right? Uh, and there might be people who watch regional movies. So maybe the frequency of the newsletter should change. And, uh, you know, and then we'll take that and we'll build that insight into the product, right? Uh, mm-hmm. This is where the uh, analyze user behavior comes into play, right? You know, so if I Anand only watches, uh, say, Salman Khan movies, uh, then don't, you know, bother him during the rest of the, whenever Salman Khan movie comes out, like send him a reminder, he'll show, go watch the movie. But mm-hmm. whenever some other movie comes out, do not send a reminder right mm. uh, and so and so forth right so so that's what we did like you know early on we were focused on problem statements and we'd say you know what mm. don't tell us how to solve it let us mm. come back to you and with the, pro- with the proposal saying that this is how we're going to build it in the product not for right. you but we'll mm. abstract it out and build it for a very large set of uh, mm. customers right and that's why uh, today's clever tab does not have a single feature that's built for a specific industry like you know we don't have anything that's that says, hey, streaming apps, you know, for streaming apps or for ride-sharing mm. companies and so mm. on so mm. and so forth, right? Say, so, yep. every every single of my customers, they receive the exact same product, no changes whatsoever, and they're able to use it based on the industry. And, you know, I mean, today, again, you know, I mean, six years down, I can say this mm. very proudly that we have customers <laughs> in the in the telecom domain, like, you know, they, we have teleco operators, we have streaming apps, we have uh, fintech uh, uh, brands that use us—we have uh, uh, ride-sharing, uh, ride-hailing brands, or urban mobility brands. We have uh, retailers, and uh, you know, we have travel and ticketing, and, and a whole bunch of customers across multiple domains. Food delivery. Uh, so that that it all kind of boils down to the temptation to not build it for a certain customer, and that's mm-hmm. a very very big temptation. Like you know, especially when you're in the early stages of your uh, startup.
0: Mm-hmm no no i think you touched upon a very great point that you know you you initially you also relied on few key partners that you closely took their feedback i mean you know took problem statements from them and then sort of started building out products and i think it's a it's a great uh, learning point i think for all the budding saas entre- entrepreneurs out there now you know let me just come to monetization of uh, mm-hmm. the saas businesses uh, you know a lot of uh, entrepreneurs would be thinking that you know hey should i just straight up offer through a freemium route and then hopefully, uh, you know, think about charging in future or have different tiers of, uh, uh, you know, product offerings for customers and then that complicates the offerings that you eventually uh, provide out to consumers, right? So what's your take on that? Did you you again start uh, monetizing uh, right away as you decided that, hey, now the product is more or less looks ready? Or did you later on sort of, again, use one of those uh, uh, lines to sort of go about
1: monetization? No, that's a great question. And uh, as all startups go, Mm. uh, you're probably solving one problem at a time, right? Or Mm. you should be probably solving one problem at a time. Uh, Mm. In our early days, we were not solving the problem of monetization. Mm. Uh, We were Mm. solving the problem of product building. Okay. Mm. And Mm. for us, it was getting that product right. The initial, it's it's called MVP, minimum viable product. Uh, for us, the minimum viable product was a fairly broad product because we had to have analytics, uh, segmentation, and mm. uh, user communication or engagement, like, you know, all baked into one product. Uh, mm. So for the first three years of our life, as I told you earlier, right, you know, that we, didn't, we, we, didn't, we were not showing the product publicly. Mm. Uh, we were not even letting, uh, you know, people sign up for the product. So if you wanted to use Clevertap, you had to send me an email saying that, hey, Anand, uh, you know, I heard from somewhere that, you know, uh, Clevertap is available. And uh, could you create a login password for me? And I would create like, you know, I mean, it's uh, a little shocking right now. But, you know, I would create the username and password and send them a link saying that, hey, this is what you can use now, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, the goal was not to restrict circulation. But the goal was for us to restrict the noise as we are building the product, right? Just Mm -hmm. only focus on a few customers that we wanted to onboard and then mm. work with them very closely to build what we wanted to build. So that's mm. one track, right? That's one thing to keep in mind. The second thing yep. to keep in mind is, uh, you can't sell half a... I mean, I use this, my, this is one of my favorite examples. You can't sell three-fourths of a car, right? Or you can't sell half a product. Uh, mm. You can sell a lesser product as in like, you know, it does less things, uh, but it still has to be complete in what it does. So right. version one, version two, version three, right? So you can sell version one, but you mm. can't sell, you know, half a, half a product. Mm. right uh, and and again in early days everything seems you know if someone is ready to pay you you mm. would want to take their money right because it also proves in your head that you know hey my my idea is uh, is monetizable right my product people are ready to pay for it absolutely but unless your product is 100% ready unless you are like you know you c- completely created the minimum viable product version 1 do not do that do not i mean resist the temptation to take money
2: Hmm,
1: hmm, hmm. right and that's what we did that's that worked for us uh we didn't start monetizing the platform until the third year of our life and uh the whole you know i mean you touched upon something very interesting like you know should, freemium to paid and you know correct uh, there is uh there are few uh again it goes very deep like you know maybe the beyond the scope of this uh podcast right now mm-hmm. uh, so we started like you know this is again we started we we we, we started with like this uh uh, that we should uh, ship 100,000 SDKs, right? Go mm. WordPress or Google Analytics like. Uh, mm. But what started, what ended up happening is we did not get a very broad adoption. Uh, mm. We got a very narrow adoption, and the customers that started using us in the early days were smaller enterprises. But mm. as in a very short span of time, we started attracting larger companies, right? Who mm. said, "Well, wow," because. Uh, data silos is really my problem or if Mm I solve that that problem, I can actually make a lot of money, uh, right? Or I can, uh, so uh, I mean, to cut a long story short, like, you know, we now what we call is called an attractiveness criteria. That means we attract a certain kind of uh, enterprise, right? You at least need to have a a monthly million active users Mm
0: -hmm. uh, and
1: so on and so Mm -hmm. forth, right? That means you need to have a little chunky set of users to be Mm -hmm. able to use our product uh, to understand the science behind retention and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Having said that, we still work with a lot of startups early stage, very, very early stage, like, mm-hmm. you know, 10,000 downloads, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they want to instill a practice of being data driven. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Right. But again, like, okay, so to sum it up, like, you know, the advice would be, don't start monetizing your platform prematurely. You will get enough time from mm-hmm. the time you start doing that until the day the company dies or the company exits you will have i mean every single day of the week you will be monetizing the platform right you will be selling signing purchase orders service orders uh, you will be negotiating deals etc so don't do it until you are ready for it if you do it prematurely you will not have the right set of customers you will not be able to monetize it correctly mm-hmm.
0: No, no, absolutely. So, I mean, you know, uh, just to add to that point, I think if we, if the startups, let's say, want to delay monetization, then of course, uh, the role of funding partners really sort of become very important that you need to, you know, uh, find the right guys to sort of back you up uh, and believe in the vision that you're trying to or the problem statement that you're trying to solve, right? Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I want your take on this, uh, uh, you know, what's your take that, you know, what's the level of... uh, interest and the support in the ecosystem out there for SaaS startups and uh, you know of course globally we've seen uh, large companies go IPO. I think last year was a great year Uh, uh, you know a lot of uh, US companies went for the IPO all more or less SaaS based and they have fantastic numbers right so I mean of course the monetization opportunity of this business model is great. So do you think uh, what is the level of you know scope of problem statements you already mentioned that it's an it's a crowded market and so on and so forth. So how would you, what's your take on the attractiveness of the opportunity of the SaaS market in India? And uh, and of course, from one is, of course, from the uh, product point of view and the problem statement point of view, the second is also, do you think investors are kicked about, uh, you know, investing and looking at SaaS as, uh, you know, a very sort of uh, go-to sort of segment or the sector to sort of back it up?
1: No, again, a a very good question. Uh, I don't think so that you should build a company because the sector is hot. Mm. I think you should build a company because you genuinely believe that there's a problem that needs to be solved. Mm. There's a better product that you can create. And then I say, you, it's not the entrepreneur, but also the team that, you know, the entrepreneur is able to attract. Mm. Uh, And that you have a unique perspective, like the perspective thing that I I touched upon earlier. Mm. Uh, So you have a unique angle of attack. You have a unique perspective, you know, something... It's called a shared. Sec- it's called a secret that you know that others do not know about, right? Uh, hmm. So, you, if you know that, if you truly believe in that, then go ahead and you know launch your startup and try to solve that problem.
0: Uh, hmm.
1: Having said that, I think it's a great, great time to be a SaaS company. Hmm. Uh, of in the recent past, you have companies like Atlassian, you have companies yep. like uh, you know App Dynamics, uh, yep. who, got a- who got acquired by Cisco. You have companies hmm. like uh, Slack. Zoom, mm. PagerDuty, you know, Box, Dropbox, etc. A lot of companies, SaaS companies uh, have gone IPO um, mm. or have filed their S1. The good mm. news about S1 is now their metrics are public. Like, you know, so SaaS, yeah. unlike consumer, is a very well understood business. Uh, yeah. It also makes it very uh, uh, transparent both for the entrepreneur as well as the investor to mm. look at the metrics and say, okay, well, this is performing or not, right? Mm-hmm. See, unlike a consumer business in which sometimes the results are not out until they're out really, until it's like too late, right? Uh, We've yeah. seen many successful B2C businesses also tank uh, because the unit economics did not work out. But in a SaaS, mm-hmm. from the very early days, as you start monetizing your product, you would get a sense of whether this is all going to work out or not. Um, so it's a great time. Like, you know, and as I said, never time the market, never try to become an entrepreneur just because, you know, funding's available uh hmm. in fact some of the greatest companies are formed or launched when the market has been very tight because that teach teaches you frugality that yeah. teaches you to do more with less and mm-hmm. uh, again i use uh, one of my favorite words is don't throw resources at the problem be resourceful um, <laughs> so that yeah. that always helps whether you have funding or not
0: mm-hmm. no no absolutely i think I, I absolutely i mean we have zoho uh, in our country which uh you know, has been built without raising, I think, a single penny from investors. And, uh, you know, even over a period of time, they've also innovated with different products. Uh, We have also the example of Zero. I mean, really a very technological take on uh, financial services. Uh, Again, you know, uh, completely funded by their own money. So, of course, there are examples. And I think, uh, I I believe that both of them, uh, both the entrepreneurs also had uh, a, a fair bit of, you know, a romance with the problem statement also you know let me for the lack of better
1: words i would say <laughs> so, so i think yeah very it's very very important like you know it's not because uh, you think that you could launch a better clone mm. of an existing product like that's mm. not a reason enough to launch mm. you should have a unique perspective on the problem and you should have a great problem statement to go after and that's when you launch that's when you i mean it's not launch is not some event in your life like you know it's just that you start thinking about the problem deeply yeah and you say yeah. okay i think i can come up with a better way to do the same thing right or i can change the way people do things um, mm-hmm. and then try it out test it out like you know do an mvp you don't need funding for mvp
2: yeah uh, you absolutely. just need
1: you know if, if you bring a tech problem you need a laptop and enough time and uh, and go for it
0: now you know uh, anand want to really get your perspective i think everyone i have personally met also uh, who is trying to build not just even a saas business but let's say any other tech business that we can think of has this problem of you know getting the right talent right, right talent in the tech team or getting the right structure of the team so any advice for entrepreneurs for businesses on that regard uh,
1: never compromise uh, mm-hmm. it's okay to have one less engineer in your team mm. than to have one mediocre engineer in your team. Uh, I'm a big, big believer in that. Uh, I I'm very proud of not only the engineering talent but also marketing uh, success. You know other departments, product, etc. Mm. in in CleverTap, mm. um, and we don't lower our bar for anyone. Uh, you know for any department, no matter how desperate we are to hire a person. Mm. Uh, we will rather keep the position up than you know lower the bar uh, uh-huh. again uh, if the the paradox there is that if the resource is very uh, coveted like you know it's a very highly coveted position or if you know if you want to hire a 10x person mm. everyone wants to do that everyone wants the 10x engineer right mm-hmm. everyone wants that 10x uh, marketing person etc right so it's going to be a you know so you have to attract them with more than just money right it's not about the mm. money it's about Again, the problem you are after or the the vision of the company or the, the leadership of the company. And that plays a very important role in making sure that you can attract good talent. And mm-hmm. that acts as a force multiplier. Like, you know, the better talent you have, the mm-hmm. more, the better, The you know, it, it then attracts even greater talent, right? Automatically. Mm-hmm. Because they look at you and say, oh, wow, like this is a great set of people. I would love to join that team and uh, grow together.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Now, uh, you know, any... So this is, again, a much broader question, but I'm sure you would have faced multiple hurdles in your journey for the past uh, six years. Uh, What would be your advice or, you know, what would you say that these are the common pitfalls if you're trying to build a business that, you know, entrepreneurs should look out for or they should avoid?
1: Yeah, one of the common pitfalls, uh, I believe, is Mm. self-doubt. You build something that you think is the greatest thing on earth. Mm. And when you... Ship it out, or when you go uh, talk to a few people about this idea, and uh, now these people could be your potential customers, your prospects, or it could be investors. And uh, mm-hmm. if you if you hear like you know a few of them saying, "No, nah, this is not going to work," uh, you will have start you'll start having self doubt, saying that well maybe this idea is not that great, etc. So mm-hmm. having a belief uh, about whether this idea will work, like you know, maybe you need to keep on polishing it until it actually works. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's one of the very important things, right? Uh, the second thing is uh, commitment to the cause, right? A lot of people mm. try to run startups, you know, try to do startups, I guess, part-time affairs. Um, I am not a believer in that, like, you know, even with Clevertap, we quit our jobs mm. uh, and uh, that meant that, like, you know, there was no salary from the first of the next month and mm. that's when we launched Clevertap, right? It was not something that we moonlighted or we did on weekends and evenings, right? Mm. Uh, and if you are fully into it, then, you know, you suddenly, uh, everything out of in the world conspires to make it happen mm-hmm. for you, right? Your own mm-hmm. mind becomes a lot sharper because, you know, you're going to run out of money. You're going to run out of absolutely your your Absolutely. Not look very kindly at you. So, you know, you better mm-hmm. start producing something very meaningful, very quickly, right? Uh, <laughs> so that happens. Uh, but, you know, I think self-doubt is number one. Like, you know, number two is yeah. maybe people think that, you know, hey, I'm, uh, you know, my uh, it's not a fundable category. Mm-hmm. Uh, or they go talk to investors and investors uh, don't like the you know idea yeah. or you're too early and then they think well maybe I should have not left my job etc. Mm-hmm. I think whether investor likes or I mean burp we never got funded right my previous startup right it was never yep. funded We ran it for three years and we had a successful exit to networking team yep. uh, so it doesn't matter man you know if you're passionate about your idea you will discover ways to make money from it don't mm-hmm. give up on the idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, Yeah, and the two or three other things also like, you know, having the right leadership, getting the right set of co-founders, again, uh, you know, working with co-founders is a minimum 10-year commitment if everything works out. If it doesn't work out, then it doesn't matter, right? But if it works out, then you can't start fighting midway in the fifth year of the business, right? So Mm -hmm. you better work and co-founders are not necessarily your best friends. Like, you know, it's not that, you know, the three guys from college start a startup and, you know, it all works out, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Sometimes you need to have complementary skills. Well, in a lot of cases, you need to have complementary skills. You have to have an absolute amount of trust between uh, the founders and so on and so forth, right? So there are multiple factors, and these are the usual pitfalls I've seen. I've seen uh, where not having the right set of founders, not having trust the idea, or seeking external validation from uh, investors or prospects, kind of uh, you know shakes you up, and then you don't, uh, then you want to kind of give up on the idea.
0: Mm-hmm. No, 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 absolutely. I think conviction is, uh, you know, one of the key assets, I would say, of a successful entrepreneur.
1: Yeah, and to use uh, Jeff, really- this was uh, something that Jeff said, like, you know, that you, you, you should be willing to be misunderstood for long periods mm-hmm. of time, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's probably true, right? You know, if everyone thinks, I mean, we were told uh, in 2013, when we started building this core engine of Club App, people mm-hmm. said, why are you building a database? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's enough database technologies out in the world. And you said, no, no, it'll we'll build one. And it took us two and a half years to build it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, we had investors. Thankfully, we had like, you know, a good engineering team back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the investors, of course, like, you know, after we got our seed round, um, mm-hmm. that saw through it, like, you know, why should we have our own technology? And mm-hmm. uh, now uh, it's, uh, you know, now it takes for a great story yep. uh, to tell. Yep. But not <laughs> to be of the fact that, helped, uh, you know, now I can tell about the story.
0: Yeah. (laughs) No, great. So, you know, Anand, thanks for uh, sharing so many insights on the business. Now we move on to a little less uh, serious section of this podcast where, uh, uh, you know, I would just throw a couple of rapid fire questions at you. Uh, So, yeah, please brace yourself. So, uh, Anand, top three books for you.
1: Top three books. Wow. 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 Okay. <laughs> this is a yeah. rapid fire, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm a big sucker for biographies or autobiographies. Mm-hmm. And uh, the three that I absolutely recommend are one is uh, uh, the one by Howard Schultz. Uh, mm-hmm. Pour your heart into it. Mm-hmm. Um, one by the founder of Zappos, uh, mm-hmm. Delivering Happiness. Mm-hmm. And the third one is, uh, mm, I would say, is the Steve Jobs one.
0: Mm-hmm. Walter
1: Isaacson. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay great uh, what are the three things uh, which an aspiring entrepreneurs should not follow
1: don't follow the competition number mm-hmm. one don't follow the investors uh, mm-hmm. listen to them but don't follow them don't necessarily take everything <laughs> that they say tell you because you're running the you're the entrepreneur and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and don't try to don't try to copy don't try to you know find the role model right you know, try to mm-hmm. don't try to copy a playbook uh, mm-hmm. your circumstances mm-hmm. are different everything will be different so do things your own way Figure out mm-hmm. everything from first principles and then do it. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: if if not clever tab, then what business would you like to build?
1: Oh, I hope I don't have to do that, man. It's I am. I'm having a lot of <laughs> no, fun. No, no hypothetically, have, like, no, hypothetically.
0: Hypothetically, hypothetically.
1: Uh, well, I've not thought about that. Honest to God, like I, I don't know what I'll be doing <laughs> if not clever tap uh, okay. Maybe I'll be running a consultancy. You know, helping people understand their data better. But, okay. uh, but honestly, I don't know. I don't know okay. the answer. Okay,
0: okay, great. Now, uh, what are the top three apps that you know you think everyone should uh, have in their phones? And uh, I'm really hoping that you'll give a much better answer on this because you know you're a technologist, <laughs> and uh, you know not mention the usual, usual suspects that we all can think of. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I don't know when usual suspects are not. But I'll tell you the top three apps I have on my phone right now. They're on the home screen. I'm looking at my home screen right now. I have uh, Kindle, uh, Uh, which opens up a whole repository of books for you. That's unlimited knowledge. I have uh, Twitter, which again lets me follow a lot of very smart people, much, much smarter than me, um, and, uh, you know, get uh, an unfiltered peek into their mind. Um, And the third app is obviously my office email app. Like, you know, I can't escape office emails. Uh, So that's that's that. Mm
0: -hmm. Great, great. Now, uh, you know, Uh, How would you define leadership in just one word?
1: Uh, Leadership is setting benchmarks, I would say. Mm. Uh, Right? Leadership is not ordering people to do what you want them to do. It's by doing things and showing, and then people will follow. You can't become a leader because I told you that you are a leader. You become a leader because you have people who follow you. Uh, Mm -hmm. That's the only way to become a leader. Mm
0: -hmm absolutely so anand really i mean thank you so much for sharing all those insights and you know uh, getting us have a sneak peek into your mind uh, before we close this off uh, you know i think for all our listeners you know they would they would really need uh, they would be, it would be really helpful if you could share some things on what is let's say if anyone wants to sort of get a bit on pace uh, in terms of technology or whether it's about business building, any resources, any books, anything that you can, you you would strongly recommend, you know, which would be really helpful to them. Uh, I would like you to share with uh, us that. Yeah.
1: Uh, Well, okay. Uh, So let me start with the resources. Uh, Whether you are in tech or not, like, you know, if you are, if you're starting up your business, uh, there are a few books you should read. Um, And if you've survived year one uh, of your startup, uh, go read this Five Dysfunctions of a Team by uh, Patrick Lencioni. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a great book to read. And mm-hmm. if you've made it past the fifth year of your business, uh, <laughs> go read this book called Blitzscaling, which I'm reading currently.
2: Okay. Uh,
1: it's a phenomenal book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's, that also opens up, like, again, like a lot of startups who want rapid growth. it's a, And again, don't copy everything that the book says. Uh, derive everything from your own first principles. But you can use these books for inspiration. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Okay, great. Anand, thank you so much for sharing all of those things that you've shared with us. I think it's been so insightful and, uh, you know, really hope that, you know, CleverTab becomes, uh, you know, creates a global mark. And I believe you've already had a global mark, but we do wish that, you know, it becomes synonymous to, uh, uh, you know, the top league sort of uh, globally known uh, SaaS businesses. So, really thankful uh, to you to come on our podcast.
1: Thank you for inviting me. I had a great conversation. Uh, it so. reinforced some of my own beliefs uh, by talking to you. Like you know, I think it was a good reminder for me to, uh, you know, sometimes you every day in the day-to-day things you don't think of some of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thank you. I have a copy of that five dysfunctions. I'll I'll read that again over the weekend. Uh, <laughs> um, so thank you. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I hope the readers can benefit uh, from from what we spoke about today. Thank absolutely, you.
0: absolutely. Thank you so much. So, uh, great guys. Thank you for listening to Anand. Uh, uh, and I'm sure it would have added a lot of value to you. Uh, if you've liked this podcast, any opinions, any suggestions, please do share with us. Uh, you can find us on all practically all the digital mediums. So, with that, I'll take your leave. Godspeed. Okay, Anand, I think uh, this is done. And thank you so much. It was really nice talking to you.
1: And, thank uh, you, Akash. So <laughs> great. Thank great, you. Great. All-